a year and a half off. And you have a year and a half off spread out over those next years so that the essential services continue. But let's go back to this 85%, okay? Now the 85% have a year in which there's no work required. In order to do that, um, we have to have made preparations during the, the, um, um, the, the other six years. And uh, consequently, we've got a new uh, a job task, namely um, an, a new job category, namely the people who are working on preparing for the seventh year. And uh, they in particular are working on making sure that um, there's enough food for everybody, that there's enough um, uh, distribution mechanisms for the food, um, uh, and um, that uh, any other vital services that you can think of can be provided on the seventh year. But for the rest of the population, there's no work and there's no money, okay? And um, to make sure that there's no money, um, we, um, uh, we create a, dis uh, a, different, um, um, a, a different distribution system based on money that has been um, made for the sabbatical year on only. And that you can use, um, but you can only use it for very limited purposes because all the stores are gonna be closed like it, they are today except those that are needed for essential services. So you can't go buying, um, uh, buying all the stuff that uh, you might have been wanting to buy all your other six years, you have to buy it in the other six years. But in the seventh year, it's um, now the food is distributed equally to everyone, okay? So rich people don't get better food than poor people. Similarly, in going to, if, to let's say we have, uh, restaurants that are still open. Okay, but the restaurants um, will take, will not be able to take money. They'll take uh, vouchers and each person has the same amount of voucher for, for uh, food vouchers. Um, so um, you can't accumulate more than anybody else. You live the way everybody else is going to, going to live. Um, so that's uh, one element. Um, now, will that put the United States behind other countries in um, uh, accumulating goods. Well, of course, this would work best if it was done globally. But if we start with the United States, um, the truth is that we don't need a new computer every year. We don't need a new car every year. We don't need anything that's being produced, uh, or at least most things that are being produced. Um, we don't need to have um, uh, to have them produced on the seventh year, and for people who are saying, "But wait a second, I, I ran out of tooth, I ran out of toothpaste, and I have no place to go to get more toothpaste. They're not making more toothpaste." So that's the job of the people who are working to prepare for the seventh year that they stockpile enough of those kinds of supplies. Okay, uh, um, uh, uh, your your. Uh, hammer and your uh, nails and your paint and whatever. But for the rest of toilet us, paper. toilet paper, right, <laughs> toilet paper. We're experiencing it, right? We're seeing what, that it can, people can survive there. Um, only, only some people can survive through this because of the uh, um, inequality of distribution of money. But there will no be, not be any unequal distribution of what you can use to purchase things for in the uh, sabbatical year. Um, so um, uh, now, what are we, what are we going to do in the sabbatical year? Well, um, that's a lot up to each of us. Um, there will be some people who will want to uh, learn new skills, and they and there will be people who will be happy to teach those skills. That's what. Um, but nobody's going to be doing it because they have to do it. Um, uh, There'll be some people who want to um, um, just uh, spend their time playing tennis or swimming or um, having whatever kind of fun that you want for your life that, uh, that year. You can do it. There'll be some people who um, are engaged in uh, learning new skills. Um, and there'll be other people who will be uh, joyously teaching their skills. And that can include 
skills that they can then use to switch switch jobs in the next uh, the next year. That is, people can uh, there'll be people who are training them in in uh, medical skills and in health in various health skills, and there are people who are training them in whatever they want, whatever they want to do. But now you're saying, well, where are we going to pay those people who are going to teach? No, we're not going to pay pay anybody. People will just want to do what they want to do. And if there's nobody wanting to teach, then there'll be no teach, there'll be nobody uh, who can teach you a certain kind of skill. But trust me, there are a lot of people who would love to be able to, um, who have skills of certain sorts that would love to be able to teach it in a society in a, in a year in which everybody else was giving away whatever they have to share. But if you don't want to give away and just want to swim or play tennis or um, or uh, um, do exercises or sleep un until noon and just eat after that, whatever, it's fine. You're off for a year. You get to do what you want. Um, now, um, there's no government telling you what you should or shouldn't do. Um, so um, downside of that is there are a lot of services that you may not get in that year. Okay, um, that's a problem. but. Um, you can you can survive it, but there will there will not be production. Um, as a result of no production, you're giving the earth a real um, a gift, because if you're not producing new materials and new things, you're not taking the resources out of the ground. Um, then you're um, you're giving a huge gift to the earth. Um, now, of course some of this has to be based on us already switching to a new um, uh, a new way of getting energy um, because we're not going to have a sabbatical year in which we're still using up stockpiles of uh, gas or um, um, or other energy sources that have been taken from uh, anything that's been in the ground so we will have to make sure that um, that there's a, uh, already an effect, a, a, a ban on um, um, on uh, getting um, any kind of fuel from the earth. The earth has to be given a real rest and not just in that year, but in all years from now on, we've exhausted what we uh, ought to be taking from the earth in the way of um, coal or, uh, or um, natural gas or whatever else um, gets used as a supply for. Um, so that'll give an impetus for the rest of the six years for us to further develop those alternative energy sources. Um, I think I'll stop there for a second and, uh, and then open it up for anybody who wants to argue about this is crazy and or impossible or why, is, why, um, why or, or not even deserving of attention. Yeah. Maybe the best way is if you could send a, um, uh, your questions on the chat. Do you know how to do that? Okay, but some people might not do it. So at the bottom of your screen is the thing that says uh, an orange. Uh, it's not orange on there. Oh, it's not orange on yours? What color is it there? It's just white. It's orange okay. on yours because we haven't looked at those. On okay. the bottom of your screen, there's a chat. Most of you know how to do it because many of you are chatting. Mm. So you can put your question in chat. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to read some. One said, Jeff Siegel asked, if politicians put forth this policy, would they then be seen not necessarily positive as religious, trying to push their religious views on others? Um, you can call it, call it religious, but um, there, uh, we're not arguing for it on the basis of religion. So there's nothing wrong with religious people supporting policies that come from their religion. But the argument for it, what's wrong is if the argument for it is only a religious argument, like we have to do it because God commanded us to do it. Okay, um, for some Jews, like me, for example, I, um, yeah, I'm glad that it was in Torah, but if it weren't in Torah, uh, I wouldn't have had that idea, but if I'd had the idea, I wouldn't make the argument for it on the basis of that it's in Torah and you should obey the Torah. So there's nothing wrong with a religious person saying, um, I want to eliminate poverty because Jesus did it, okay? It's fine. That's fine. But if you want it as a, as a policy for the rest of us, then don't make, base it on that Jesus said it, okay? Or that the Torah said it, or that the 
that Muhammad said it or whoever, or that, you know, based, based it on reasons that would stand up even if you didn't believe in a God or any kind of religious community. So, um, so um, Gary was saying, is the question of whether the U.S. got behind in accumulation really a question worth thinking about? We think of accumulating food or nails or books as, as individuals for use. Accumulation in the world currently is accumulation to get more accumulation to get more. When we think about a Shabbat of Shabbats, are we really imagining a world of accumulation as a non-goal? Yes, absolutely. And the, um, so the, uh, the point of uh, the, um, uh, of this whole exercise is to get people to a point where they recognize that there's no need to accumulate more and more and more stuff. But how do you, but in case you thought, well, but wait a second, people just naturally accumulate. It's part of our gene structure, whatever. Great, you'll see in doing the, uh, when you do the, uh, when we set up the, the um, a sabbatical year as a, um, that that alleged natural need starts to fade from human history. And then of course, um, we get to the Jubilee and the Jubilee will be, um, a re again, a total redistribution of wealth, okay? Um, unlike the sabbatical. Wealth? So that was the question earlier, wealth or just land? That was the question yeah. earlier. You said, and, you said and, just land, but okay. now you're saying- No, it land. was land in the, in the Torah, but it's all, because the okay. primary form of wealth in the- That's in, in, in years of owner, owner in the, those societies was ownership of land. But so taking that principle of, uh, from, from Bihar um, and applying it to the modern world means, okay, then whatever is wealth in the society gets redistributed. So yeah, if, you, um, if you've accumulated sources of wealth, they get redistributed. But, um, but but everything else doesn't get redistributed. So um, um, it's not uh, again. It's not like you're going to lose your um, uh, your computer or your uh, your books. Then they always come and say, "Wait, you have too many books." No, that's not that's not what's going to be re redistributed in, in the. But um, but a serious redistribution. How do we accomplish a serious redistribution of wealth? Well, the first thing is you, um, you ban and make illegal the use of any previous forms of, of money. And you create a new money system um, that from then on for the next 50 years is the legal tender. So let's say you've, you've uh, uh, buried your $50,000 uh, retirement in the backyard so that the, uh, the government can't get it doesn't matter because you, nobody can use that um, starting in the 50th year and on. Uh, redistribution of, of all money um, means that, and redistribution equally, in other words, everybody gets the same amount to start off with in the, uh, in the 50th year for the next 50 years so that it's all equal again and made totally equal so that, now this is only if there's st you still have a society in which there's money, but let's say, let's imagine you, you find that there's something useful in that form of, of um, distribution, then it's fine. We start out with a redistribution of all money and the um, banning of any money from any other source. So uh, um, also uh, if you own stock or whatever, it's all, um, it's all wiped out. No, um, in the, but that's in the that's in the jubilee. But in the seventh year, um, what's wiped out is debt. Now, I just want to say one thing more about wiping out of debt. Um, the um, the rab. Okay, I told you about the struggle between the two consciousnesses, right? Well, um, so here's another interesting factum that you should know, that um, the more radical rabbis um, uh, who were uh, living under Rome, the Roman rule, uh, which ruled from about 50 or 60 before the Common Era to um, into the first and second centuries of, um, 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 the more radical rabbis 
engaged in, participated in the, uh, a revolution against Rome um, that was led by um, Bar Kokhba in 132 CE, that is um, not, not before Jesus, but after Jesus, because we're still using the, the, the Christian calendar. So, and um, Rabbi Akiva and many of his students joined in that rebellion against, um, uh, uh, against the Roman rule. Unfortunately, um, we didn't win. Now, I don't know, it wasn't very likely we were gonna win against Rome, because Rome had control over the entire um, Middle East at that time, and, and, and much of Europe, and um, much of Asia. Not all of Asia, but a, a big chunk of Asia. So um, we didn't win. And when we didn't win, it wasn't just that we didn't win, but in 135 BC, uh, CE, um, when the Romans reconquered Judea, they um, killed um, at, uh, re the estimates go from 100,000 to 500,000 people, and, and expelled lots of others. Akiva was one of the, uh, the 10 rabbis who were famously tortured. Now, as in every kind of revolutionary struggle, there are some who are with it, and there are some who think it's not worth it and not, not wise to participate. So the rabbis who wrote the Mishnah, the Mishnah being the first, uh, first part of what then became the Talmud, um, they were the ones who didn't get involved. <laughs> they were the ones who didn't become part of the revolutionary struggle. And they had the message in their head of um, Jewish law has to be realistic about the um, unfair distribution, um, about the unfair uh, distribution of power in the world, because that's just how it is. And we've got to accommodate to that. So um, they were, um, so the Mishnah was, um, uh, in my view, you know, is written by the, like the people who didn't get in, uh, didn't want, want, who were in the universities when, the, when we were struggling against the war in Vietnam, who looked at us and said, yeah, I think you're right, but never wanted to get involved in the street, okay? Never wanted to go out and demonstrate, never wanted to do anything concretely about it. Good people, many of them wonderful people, but nevertheless, those were the people who then ended up writing the, the, um, the Mishnah and then the Talmud. And in the Talmud, they take a, um, uh, a very, uh, a, there was a big blow against um, uh, what had happened in, um, uh, in uh, the revolutionary consciousness. So those kinds of rabbis had already um, um, moved against um, the most revolutionary, or one of the revolutionary aspects of, of, the, the, um, uh, of this chapter. Uh, not just this chapter, but of the other places where it where it says to ban um, uh, that all all um, uh, loans are forgiven on the in the seventh year. They said, um, "No, um, um, we've heard from others that um, if uh, if we ban all if, if all loans get um, uh, uh, forgiven every seventh year." that the rich people will not give money to the poor people. They will not lend money to the poor people. And so it'll actually work against the interests of the poor people. Um, so in order to preserve that, we have to find a way around this Torah command. Now, uh, by the way, it's not brand new that, they, that the rabbis were seeking ways to get around parts of the Torah command that seemed hard for them. So um, there's, for example, a command about um, the Torah that says, if you have a, a rebellious uh, child and uh, you can't get, you can't change that rebelliousness, and then eventually um, uh, you go, um, you bring the child to the heads of the city, and they uh, they can't convince him to change his his or her ways, then um, then that child should be, uh, should be killed. Okay. So this is Ben Serrero Mora, um, this rebellious child. Okay, and um, um, what the, so what the rabbi said about that is, this Ben Serrero Mora, it never existed. 
if there were such a case, we'd stick with what the law says. But okay, so in this case, in the case of of this, um, uh, Rabbi um, Hillel already came up with a way to get around it. He said um, all these uh, loans should be uh, should be made um, uh, as they come close to the time of the seventh year. They should be given to the the court, the court of the the Beit Din of the Jewish community, and the Jewish community had, owns, owns it. Now, the Beit Din is not instructed. Um, the, the requirement of um, forgiving loans is only an individual requirement. It's not a requirement of the, of the, of the court of, of the community. So therefore, they can enforce it and um, enforce the, the terms of the loan and keep the loan going without it having to be forgiven. In my view, this was like the big counter-revolution of, um, uh, in, it was a huge counter-revolution because what it was saying was, um, we're not gonna challenge the, um, the distribution of, of, of wealth in the society. We're not gonna forgive loans. And hence, we're going to um, be on the side of the, the, uh, the people who are richest. Uh, their argument that, um, that nobody will give a loan is uh, based on um, uh, a notion that um, they were going to give loans to poor people anyway. But actually, um, we if we if you go into um, downtown Oakland here or into any other comparable uh, place, you will not find many poor people getting loans from rich people. Actually, you'll find nothing like it. Nothing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's the opposite. You know, they're 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 uh, supporting um, positions and government people who want to take more money from poor and give it to the rich. That's what we've had for the last fifty years: is a redistribution of wealth in this country, a fantastic redistribution from the bottom to the top, not the other way. So, just calm down, Michael. All right. So, <laughs> so. So um, uh, that so that happened, and uh, and as a result, that um, now what did the more progressive people do in response to that? Well, what they did was that they created the Hebrew free loan, and it's existed ever since, uh, up till and including today. In any major city uh, in the United States, there will be a Hebrew free loan, and they give loans to other fellow Jews without any interest being charged at all. Um, and that was part of, uh, that was another command of Torah is that you shouldn't charge any interest, okay? So that was a step in the way of, um, a way of dealing with um, the problem that the, um, that the Hillel had created, Hillel and his uh, um, fellow rabbis had created by, um, developing what was called prosdor, which is a, sort of a, um, a way of getting over the requirement to um, uh, forgive loans. What's the next question? Is there? What, it's, what time do you think it's? 12.15 oh, was what we said. 12.06. Yeah, what's the next question? Um, hold on, there's just various conversations happening. Um, Someone was wanting to hear that. Well, somebody said, where is it? Um, how do we deal with the stress and trauma of those who have no will to be transformed and are caught in the idol of power? And what about the those who just have such despair? They have no hope or possibility it could happen. How do we so how do we deal with the the fear voice within all of us, frankly, right? But, yeah, of course, we all have it. <clears throat> um, how do we deal with it? We have to build a movement that is talking about a vision of a world based on love, kindness, and generosity that embodies that in its own reality. Um, there are left movements that somehow, some, to some degree, talk about um, a uh, redistribution of wealth, um, but in a very weak way. They're, you know, they're, you know they're, they call themselves socialists, but they don't, they don't call for a re-ownership re of the means of production by uh, by uh, the working class. So, um, but they, they're, uh, but the, the issue is that our movements do not embody an ethos of love, caring, kindness, and generosity. Um, I've been involved in the left for 55 years, 
and I have almost never encountered um, uh, a meeting, um, a rally, or any other <laughs> organized event by a left group that encouraged people to take some of their time at that meeting to meet other people and learn about them and their needs and share with, with them about what your needs are and get to know them and um, much less say part of our goal as a movement is to create a movement that is an embodiment of love, kindness, and generosity. Um, though this is stuff that I talk about in much more detail in, um, in the book Revolutionary Love. And if you want to know a first step, first step is take Kat Zavis's, this is, take Kat Zavis's um, training um, on, um, on how to be a, uh, a spiritual activist. Um, and uh, you go to, simply go to uh, spiritualprogressives.org slash training. She's just finished uh, one a few weeks ago and, um, and now she's got another one scheduled for June. Um, we're training people in how to do this, but yes, it's going to take um, consciousness change, change. So you're looking at somebody and saying, this guy's got to be crazy. They thinks that this can happen. And I'm saying to you, that's exactly what the early women's movement was faced. And it's exactly what the early civil rights movement faced. And it's exactly what the- Moses the, faced. Moses faced, <laughs> absolutely. But it's also what, um, what um, the people who said um, uh, gay people should have the right to marry. Slaves. So what the abolition movement faced. It's always everybody around is gonna say, be realistic, it's not gonna happen. No, it'll happen when enough of us make this our issue and say, we need a world based on the new bottom line of love, kindness, and generosity. And we're going to fight for it. And we're going to use our energies to build that movement and to talk to everybody we know, to bring the messages, to, you, to create a little study groups around the book Revolutionary Love, which is um, a first step in that direction, to take Kat's training, um, and to build a, an organization and then a movement of, for love and justice, the love and justice movement. To, um, and at first it will look like, yeah, if you, if you join us in doing that, um, your friends will say you're crazy. And um, uh, as they did to the early feminists and said, they're crazy. I mean, this, the second wave of feminism in the 1960s, you're all crazy. Don't you know patriarchy has been around for um, last 8,000 to 10,000 years and you're gonna try and challenge patriarchy? And who are you? At a little group here in, in Berkeley, and another group in Madison, and another group in in Ann Arbor, and another group in uh, Seattle, and another group in uh, Washington D.C. All together, you add up to about 200 people. Okay, you're going to change patriarchy? Forget it. Stop it. Don't even talk that way. It's a you'll just discredit yourself. Nobody will pay attention. Okay, but actually, the pain and suffering in this society is very deep. And we have to talk to that pain and help people understand that it's based in the structures of a, of a society that, maxim, that sees what is valuable as the maximization of money and power rather than love, kindness, and generosity, ethical and environmental sensitivity, and uh, our capacity to respond to other human beings as embodiments of the sacred and responding to the earth um, with awe, wonder, and radical amazement rather than looking at it as something that could give us products that we could uh, turn into a profit by selling it. So go ahead. I want to I want to add something here. Um, I saw that Heidi. I'm so excited. Um, and what I want to add is that um, I I want you all to think for a moment of examples that you've seen during this virus of people living into the world of a new bottom line. Because we're actually seeing it. It's happening all the time. And um, I, I can just give you one incredible example. There's a, um, a movement in Oakland um, to get all the homeless people housed um, in hotel rooms. And they have a, a, a fundraiser, it's called um, Hotels Not Graves. How's that for kind of direct? And, um, and they've raised close to $50,000, I believe at this point. And um, one of the, I got an email about it and, and I'm engaged, I'm, I work with them a bit. And one of the things that somebody wrote was, 
I've given all of my savings to get people off the street. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can give money for this. This person gave all their savings. Like I can write a check today. Um, and so um, it, that's an extreme example, but it's, it is happening that um, companies are transforming their work into making masks. People are donating, companies that uh, make, have eggs are giving them to food banks. So it's happening both on an individual level and a societal level. And one of the things that's really important for us to think about is as long as we as individuals continue to um, participate in living in a world of a new bottom line by donating money here and supporting people there, which is critical because people are really suffering but don't simultaneously talk about the need to transform society. We will uphold the scaffolding of capitalism that's killing us all, rather than bring it down as we uplift those in need. So we both need to, for those of us who have the resources, donate and participate in efforts to actually allevi alleviate immediate suffering and Something. articulate that as part of a challenge of the systems and structures of oppression. Right. Otherwise, what happens is, Eventually, this will go away, two, three years maybe, but it'll go, it'll go away. And people will say, what did they learn? Nothing. Because, or, or that there are a lot of good people um, there, but not that something needs to be fundamentally transformed in the society. Something that, uh, and you know, so there's an incredible opportunity right now when people are still uh, in this situation. Now, the problem is they're, they're giving... Uh, they're giving um, their life energies, they're giving people who are volunteering to help in, in the medical field and uh, risking their lives and so forth. And, but there's no ideological framework for it. So they, they're not using this moment to also teach others about the possibility of a different kind of world. And that's what is needed at this moment and not, and not just at this moment, but on, ongoingly to articulate the vision of a different world. It's, you know, it'd be like if people were, um, won a they win a strike against uh, General Motors, okay? Uh, or some other, okay, yes, you got a higher wage as a result of uh, being out for six months or whatever, and then you're getting a higher wage. But meanwhile, you haven't been educating anybody about what's so screwed up about there being a company that, um, that accumulates uh, all this wealth and doesn't share it with anybody except when they're coerced to do it by their, by their workers and then only to the workers and only in an um, inadequate amount. So, um, so yeah, so if, if we're, what I'm saying to you is this chapter, this vision of Torah is here to tell us, don't be realistic, okay? The earth doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. The earth is telling us that okay. right now. And the earth is telling it us exactly in the same. In, in, so that's a religious view. You don't have to buy that to, to buy the rest of what I'm saying. But, but yeah, the religious perspective is this is all part of what God told Moses uh, on the mountain, that the earth belongs to me. And that if you don't live according to um, a world of justice and ki kindness and generosity and caring and, sh and sharing what you have with others, the world won't work anymore. Now, you know, we, maybe when people got that at first, they said, well, wait a second. Um, we've had 2000 years of, uh, of class, soci class society. Where was God in all this? Or where was, and the answer is, um, 2,000 years? Well, it says in uh, the Psalms, a thousand years are like a, um, a minute in God's eyes. You know, this is nothing compared to uh, even human history. We've been around for uh, at least 100,000 years. Some people say a million years. There's a tiny little percentage of that history has been one in which we lived in class society and in patriarchy. These things were created by human beings and can be overcome by human beings. Um, and, but we have to do it. And of course, everybody's gonna say, we, that's just what Moses said. Who am I to do this? Moses says to God, you know, who am I? I, I'm, I, I can't even speak. I, I speak, I'm, I'm a stutterer. I can't speak. 
Okay, God says, okay, your brother can speak, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't, need, you don't need to be the one who's going to do all the important parts. You just have to do one part to testify to the possibility of possibility, to, um, to challenge those who are telling you it can't happen, to tell them that people all around you, right now in this, uh, in this uh, moment, just as in, when in, um, in 2001, when um, the World Trade Center was coming down, and hundreds of people came down to there and rushed up the stairs to try to save people. Actually, hundreds of people died um, saving people, trying to save other people, and, and many more than hundreds went up into that building to try those buildings to try to save people from. They were they didn't know the people. They were acting out of revolutionary love, out of the love that's commanded in last two weeks ago when we read uh, read the previous uh, kadoshim um, uh, parsha that says. You shall love the other. You shall love the stranger. Who's the other? They already had a command that you should love your neighbor, but this is no, you should love the one you don't know. That's the, that is the, the part of Torah that's reported more frequently, the command of Torah that's repeated more frequently in various variations of it than any other command in Torah. It's the most frequently. Why the most frequently? Because it's the hardest. We know it, you know, the, you know, but it's also the most important. It has to be that we can love others who we don't know. We care, care about others. So caring society is possible. Now, I think we should end, right? What time is it? Yeah, it's 12.20. Okay, so let's do the ending prayer for anybody who's willing to stay, stay for that. Page 69. I'll share it. Give me one second. Okay. See if my thing is still. Yes. And we'll do a prayer for healing, and we'll do a prayer for, we'll do a Kaddish. And, okay. Okay. Okay, so the prayer at the end is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Emet Vechaye Olam Nata Betocheinu Baruch Atah Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen Mishiberach Avotenu Ramnitzchak Yaakov Yimotenu Sarah Rivka Rachel Boleah Yivarech Birapet Et HaCholim May she who blessed her ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Becca, Rachel, and Leah, send a blessing of healing to all of the people in our world, many so of whom please, we don't know, and people we personally do know. And please feel free to put into the chat the names of those for whom you're um, holding in your heart that are in need of healing so that we can all see them and hold them in our hearts as well in a collective community of healing, because that uplifts the, the, the energy of that person to be healed. So, so would you put their names down now? I'll just name some of them. If you want to name some, yeah, I'll call out some. And you can call them out also. Call it out out, out loud Shaffer, as well as Dolores Weissman, Zev oh. Ben Hena, Chaim Levish Ben Shana Simcha, Simcha, Taya Bat Elisheva, David Murray, Bruce Marshall, S.W. Alan Feldman. Leonard Kurt, Stacey Axelrod, Rashid Patch, Patch, excuse me, going back between folks suffering with coronavirus generally, Jack, Jack Foster, or Jacques Foster, Afer Agam, Ofer Agam, Marisha LaRue, Valora Lilly, forgive my mispronunciation. Max, Edwin, Bob, Mike, Great. So let's all for a moment, we've heard a bunch of names. We don't know these people. We don't know so many people who are in need of healing, but let's just in our mind's eye picture someone that we do know in need of healing and see in their face the faces of all in need of healing. Send to them a healing of body and soul, and let them return to us fully healed. And let us say, Amen. And now the uh, 
ending of um, the cover service in the, uh, um, page 72? Yeah, let's. And 73, yeah. Yeah, let's read this, um, this paragraph, first paragraph together out loud. You so can read we'll, it. we'll read it and then you read it too with us, even though we can't hear read each it. other, the collective voice will uplift the energy. Remember who we really are. We are the, we are outpouring, the outpouring of God's, God's love, love waiting to be fully expressed. We are the platform on which the evolution of consciousness of the universe is about to take its next step toward fuller awareness. We are the universe's best hope, bringing an awareness of unity, interconnection, and interdependence. We are the vehicle through which the world will be healed and repaired. For a brief moment, we have come to consciousness, and we get to experience the mystery and wonder of all being. And, and then, then we will pass on while we are here while we still have life and consciousness we can praise god, god and sing the song of all creatures hallelujah and now down at the bottom of the page um right here yes i i've given you um i've given you a good teaching a good vision for building your lives so don't abandon my torah it's a tree of life to those who hold fast to it and all who support it are happy its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. you'll read it with us and we hope how we hope that all, all the many gods of divisiveness and distortion of pride and destruction that all these gods broken pieces of the whole will find their way back into the single vessel of life that the one might truly become one we pray for a tikkun olam a universal healing for and transformation of our world for peace Social justice, ecological sanity, reconciliation, uh, eco uh, reconciliation of antagonists. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Repentance and forgiveness. Joyful celebration. Gentleness. Pleasure and fun. Fulfilling relationships. Fulfillment in our work. Meaning to our lives. Evolution of consciousness. Expansion of our understanding. It's finishing. Uh, saying Recognizing the unity of all being. 
love permeating all. May we hold to this vision, which seems so incomprehensible. Despite history. In the face of despair. That someday. The source of all being will be the center of all being forever and ever. On that day, the source will be known as one by all the places of its glory. Page 76. For those who are in mourning, or for those who want to say Kaddish, for all the people who have died so far in this uh, um, uh, terrible um, virus pan pandem pandemic. <laughs> Or anyone else for whom you want to say morning, you can also put their name into the chat. Uh, it's on page 76 and uh, it's, on the screen. It, it's on the screen. It gadal vi shemei rabah ve'ama divra chirutei ve'amlich malchutei ve'chayechon uv'yameichon uv'chayei d'chol beit Yisrael ba'agala uv'zman kariv v'imru. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Bachayim Aleinu Vyako Yisrael Vimru. Amen. Ose Shalom Bim Ramav. Vyase Shalom Aleinu Vyako Yisrael. Vyako Yishmael. Vyako Yoshvei Tevel Vimru. Amen. And uh, we'll do the Kiddush for anybody who um, wants to be Yosei of Kiddush. Um, Ve Shamru Venei Yisrael. Et Shabbat, Lassot et Shabbat, Dorotam Bibi, Oti leolam, oti leolam, nahoti leolam, veshamru benei Yisrael, et ha-shabbat, lasav et ha-shabbat, ledarotam berit olam. Ki sheshe yamim, asa Adonai, asa Adonai, et ha-shamayim, Nourish, Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Six days it should do all your work and labor. On the seventh day is a Shabbos to God. On it, you should do no work, neither you. Nor any member of your family, nor anybody who works for you, nor any of your animals, nor anybody visiting within your gates. For on six days, God made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is within it. And on the seventh day, she rested. Mm-hmm.
Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat 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 Shalom. If uh, we haven't decided when our next one is, um, we want to know if any of you are interested in going, uh, having this again. Not going, coming to have, 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 coming so if, here. If you want to be on this again, if you'd like to see us do this again, please send us an email um, to, um, I guess to me, rabbilearner.tikun at gmail. rabbilearner.tikun at, at, at gmail. Um, uh, let us know that you'd like to be part of this again. And we might schedule it for two weeks from now, which will be the first day yes, of Shabbat. Yes, yes, yes. I'm getting all these yeses in the chat. Shabbat, yes. Yes, please, absolutely. Yeah, but we need to know your emails. So if you would send us, send, send me well, that email. What's the email again, please? No. I just put it no, in the chat, rabbilearner.tikkun at gmail.com. They're not on our list. These are people from all over that they were invited from a lot so of So if you, did you get this from, by our email? Okay, send us your email if you want to be on our list because we're going to create a more narrow list specifically for this purpose. If you want to be, yeah, and if you don't, if you don't think you want to be on these again, don't send us an email. <laughs> send it to rabbilearner.tikun at gmail.com so that uh, we can figure out if there's enough of um, an interest in continuing some of this. And the next one would possibly be on the first day of Shavuot, um, which is uh, two weeks from today. Kat, you misspelled it. You put three Ks into Kun. Oh, that would be my typing. Thank you. Okay, I'll retype it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I get for talking and typing at the same time. RabbiLearner.Tikun, two Ks at Gmail. Learner spelled L-E-R-N-E-R, not L-E-A-R. Rabbi Learner, R-A-B-B-I-L-E-R-N-E-R dot T-Kun. Gmail.com. Where do we go to find out more about your class, Kat? Um, training. Uh, I put it in the chat, but it's also, if you go to spiritualprogressives.org slash training. Say it again. Spiritualprogressives.org slash Training. Good Shabbos, everyone. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Great to be with you. Thank you for being if here. If you can email, those of you who are typing your emails in right now. Oh, thank you, Karina. Um, it would be more helpful because I'm not. It's hard for me to track all your emails right now to get them into the document I need to get them. So if you could just email, you can also email me, cat at spiritualprogressives.org. Your email and just say, I want to. I want to continue in these services. That would be great. And yeah, Heidi, thank you. I saw your I saw your message about keeping the list expansive. So um, mm -hmm. much love, everyone. Have a good Shabbat. And I hope that you were both nourished for your soul and also inspired to re-ensoul our country and the planet. Many blessings. Amen. Shabbat shalom, darling. Shabbat shalom. We end the recording.